Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you today from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment. Maybe we should just shorten that and call the podcast NHTE. My guest this time joins me from West Virginia via the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line. He is a singer-songwriter, has put out three CDs. He plays guitar, dobro, mandolin, and lap steel. He's done some really cool things that we'll be getting into. He has written over 500 songs, including the one you're hearing right now called No Clothes. Yes, that's right, as in if you took off all your garments, you'd have no clothes. I'm happy to welcome today Dave McCormick. Thank you. How are you doing, Bruce? Doing great, doing great, and uh, good to hear your voice. Thanks for making the time to do this today. Well, thank you for asking me to do this. This has been, I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure we're going to have a good time. Absolutely. Dave, uh, before I even get this interview off the ground, <laughs> No Clothes, where where did that song come from? I, well, I, I know it's on your Mountains on the Moon CD, but I mean, where did it come from in terms of you writing it? Well, a friend of mine came in uh, when I first uh, went down to Nashville, a friend of mine that we were doing a little co-writing session, uh, he came in with with what is the chorus for that song, and he had it mostly written, the verse mostly written, and uh, he said, hey, can we do something with this? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure we can. Uh, and so before I move on, co-writing, is that something that you like to do a lot of, or was that just kind of a uh, exception to the rule, and, and you generally prefer to go it alone? Well... It, it it has become a thing that I do a good bit of. Um, when uh, you know when I first started writing, I really didn't know any other writers, and for a long time I didn't have any co-writers. And then uh, my oldest friend and I started writing together a little bit, and uh, you know he and I probably have written forty or fifty songs together. And then, you know, but in Nashville, which I spent some time there, um, co-writing is a way of life down there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, and, but it's also one of those things where there are certain people you click with and other people you don't click with. And so you just got to try it and find out. Yeah. As, as evidenced by, uh, the friend that you mentioned that you've done 40 or 50 songs with. So, okay. Anyhow, Wow, Dave McCormick, man, you've done some some neat stuff in your career, but you know, first of all, not only do you break new ground here on the Now Hear This Entertainment Podcast in the sense that the guests so far had come from Alabama, Nashville, Florida, and Connecticut, and now you're checking in representing West Virginia, but brother, you are the first male guest on the podcast. How about that? I, I'm honored to be the first male guest, uh, and and that the ladies have went first seems apropos. <laughs> That's right, ladies first. Okay, let's let's dive in now. Uh, the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival is a huge event, um, both in terms of it being 11 days as well as the number of writers that participate. It's a it's a big deal to get to play at that, and you have more more than once, and you're going back to Alabama for it this year in November. Yes, um, you know it, it kind of is an almost in by invitation sort of a festival. And, um, um, my publisher in Nashville took me to it the first time, but I also had a, a few friends mention it to me and told me that I would love it. And when I did go to it, 
I did love it. And um, it is definitely a thing that I will do for the rest of my life, as long as I'm able, anyway. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it is such a great event on so many different levels. First of all, I met you there. That's right. Uh, and uh, Melissa, you know, that was great to meet her. Uh, you know, I loved her immediately. Um, Melissa Brown. You know, yes, yes. I met a lot of other really high-level songwriters. I mean, you know, guys who are, um, you know, who have many, many, many hits. Uh, Sonny Throckmorton is one of them. He has over 300 charted hit songs and has had like 27, I think, number one country wow. hits. Wow. You know, and, and met with him, and uh, within a couple of days after meeting him, he and I sat down and co-wrote a tune, which will be on my next CD. Uh, sat down and, and co-wrote right there at the festival? Yes. And I'm, and I'm yes, sure that's uh, probably not the last time that, that you'll be doing that with someone there. Has, has that happened uh, in other cases with other writers? Yeah. Um, another fellow that I wrote with... Um, his name is Bo Roberts. Oh, yeah. And Bo, Bo has done, he's probably held every job in the music industry you can hold. Um, the one that comes to mind immediately is he used to be Hank Jr.'s band leader at one time. Well, and uh, and, he, and, and Bo has uh, has had some cuts uh, with some, some pretty major artists. Yeah, he well, he's he's one of those guys that he's been doing it so long that he knows everybody, and he's written with all kinds of people. Um, probably most notably, he wrote some tunes with Hank Cochran. Wow! Um, who Hank Cochran is a legendary writer who has had you know probably he's probably had hundreds of hits as well. I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the one song that comes to mind. Um, Bo wrote a song called Living for a Song, which is now the title cut on Jamie Johnson's new CD, which is a tribute to Hank Cochran. Well, it sounds like um, you're in you're in good company there. Uh, Bo Roberts always at the uh, at the Frank Brown Festival, and and as you mentioned, uh, a number of other writers. Um, so while we're on the subject of, of songwriters and, and, and you being one of them, obviously, and, and songwriting, uh, at the start of this, I asked you to talk about the song we were playing called No Clothes. Um, but let's let's roll up our sleeves a little bit here. Tell me, well, and, and the listeners, about your songwriting. Uh, we were talking before strictly about um, doing it alone versus co-writing, but kind of your, your inspiration in your craft when you songwrite. Well... Um, inspiration. Uh, we'll start with that. Um, of course, there is there the best the, the best thing of all is what I think of as divine inf- inspiration. When you know the good Father Yahweh places a good idea in my head, um, and I so much appreciate that uh, because that usually works out. Um, <laughs> And, and the other things that I do to to find inspiration is I take a lot of inspiration from um, I, I read voraciously, and I take a lot of inspiration from the books I read. I hmm. I, I steal lines from my books. I steal <laughs> ideas from my books. Um, I do the same thing with movies and TV shows. You know, when I hear a line that you know, trips my trigger. I, I have a book, you know, that I go and write that down in. And then when I'm looking for something to write a song about, you know, uh, I'll go, sometimes I'll go back and look through the book and find, find an idea that I like. Mm, you know, I find that works especially well because, you know, the people who, uh, are writing the script and writing the books, uh, what are they? They are writers. And they have already honed that idea at least once before it got to me. Very well so said. By the, so by the time I take a, an idea from one of those people, 
and then you usually I'll hone it again, you know, to to make it more pointed or more punchy, um, or or simply to just fit in the space I need it to fit. Um, but is there any degree of of honing it to make sure that it's your own? Uh, so that and, yes. and, okay, because I don't I don't want to I don't want to to use too strong a word here and say plagiarize, but in other words, just to make sure that there's no uh, no possible room for a perception of copyright infringement. Well, it's, you know, that is one of the things I definitely do. Um, you know, because it really, as a rule, isn't too hard to change a few words or, or twist the syntax around backwards or something like that, and then at that point, it's, it's definitely mine. But yeah, I don't. I don't like to play drives people, and and I don't. Um, <laughs> well, but on the other hand, you can't. On the other hand, you can't copyright a phrase. So, you know, many songs have been written with the same hook line to them. Hmm. You know, often there are multiple hit songs with the same hook line. So, um, and oftentimes there are songs that have a line in common. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and and that's not frowned upon. That's just you know, once you put an idea out there, uh, that idea can be used by anybody. And is this uh, is this still under the umbrella of your inspiration, or, or or does this speak to the to the craft part of the question as well, in terms of actually? Well, it, it, the the twisting of the words and the making of making those words fit in the space I need it to. That's definitely part of the craft of it and um you know i must admit that i i I have mixed feelings and i often kind of fight with my own self about the question of rewriting Hmm. uh which is definitely a craft oriented thought um oftentimes in my younger years, when I was first starting to write, and even even later, after I had been writing for 15 or 20 years, oftentimes I would write a song, and once I got it to say what I wanted it to say, that was where I left it. That's where I quit and said, that's good enough. And, um, and looking back on that, there there are a number of songs that, Looking back on it, I probably should have, I probably should have did a little bit more work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other times that I look back and go, you know what? If I'd done any more of that, I probably would have just messed it up. <laughs> so, and, so uh, do you so, ever go back and 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 rewrite any of them at all, or you just well, you just look at them and learn from them? Uh, a little bit of both. I, I don't much go back and rewrite. Um really old songs, mainly just because um, I feel like that the stuff I write now is much better than the stuff that I wrote even 10 years ago. True, true. Um, Mainly just because of the whole Nashville experience kind of, um, well, it it broadened my horizons and opened my eyes to some different things, and... uh, you know, writing with other co-writers, um, you know, and the, just the way the way different people's thought processes work, uh, that influenced me very, very much. So it's like, to me, I can write a better song now than I would be able to get even if I rewrote an old song. And is it a foregone conclusion, Dave, that just like any other songwriter, you're finding yourself uh, waking up at, you know, Two thirty in the morning with an idea for a lyric and and probably the book that you referred to before jotting that down, or or maybe sticking it in your phone or something like that. Um, I I don't much find myself waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, you're a sound sleeper. Um, <laughs> I, well, yes, but it, it seems like really more often than that. It's it's when I lay down and try to go to sleep, and a song will be playing in my head. Okay, and and I have to get up and 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 write down or record my idea, and sometimes recording that idea or writing it down will allow me to go on to sleep. And sometimes <laughs> I have to finish it. Sometimes it's like it won't leave me alone, and I have to finish it. 
And, um, and to clarify for the listeners, when you say record it, uh, you actually have a studio there um, in West Virginia, so you, you have the liberty of doing that whenever you want, yes? Well, yes, I do have a a, uh, a pretty nice little home studio, but uh, whenever I say I'm like recording song ideas, I have a simple little handheld cassette recorder that I have had for many, many years. Well, I've had about three of them over the past <laughs> 30 years, but, um, but that's what I use to record all my raw ideas is on that. You know, it's only after something gets finished and I'm happy with it, then that's when I may take it to the studio. Gotcha. I am Bruce Wozniak and joining me from West Virginia on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is singer-songwriter Dave McCormick. Check him out at www.davemccormicksongs.com, and that's McCormick with an I, M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K, and then songs, davemccormicksongs.com. Be sure to purchase his music right there on his website, too, and check out a bunch of stuff he's got on YouTube. I was uh, looking at Blanket in the Backyard uh, this morning, getting ready for this podcast. I like that song. Uh, make sure you're also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, and sign up for the e-newsletter there, and subscribe to this podcast. Let's let's get some love for Now Hear This on social media, too. There are buttons on nowhearthis.biz, so you can easily click over to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. And uh, let's let's start getting some posts or some tweets and try to get some momentum going for hashtag NHTE to be for whatever you're putting online about the podcast, huh? Um, Okay, so Dave McCormick, you talked us through your songwriting. Now, I also know that some years back, you won a songwriting contest uh, in conjunction with what was called the New Song Festival, and then that got you going doing some traveling, right? Yeah, that was where... um I met some folks there at the New Song Festival, and I was blessed enough to win a couple of different awards there uh, at that. And, um, you know, it was um, it was a great experience. You know, I met a lot of cool uh, West Virginia songwriters and some other folks from up north um, who uh, some of them I still keep in touch with. There's a young lady named Kate. Clem, and that's K-L-I-M is her last name. Milk spelled backwards, as she likes to say. <laughs> uh, she is a piano player, singer-songwriter, and uh, she's absolutely lovely. Her and I have co-written some tunes together. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, going back to the whole thing of, of going to some songwriting events and festivals and stuff like that, it's a great place to network it's a great place to meet like-minded individuals. And it's also cool that you meet other people who are not like-minded, who have totally different approaches to what they do and how they do it and how they produce what, what it is that they do produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are an aspiring songwriter, um, you know, try to find some, some festivals that are close to you and go and meet some people. And uh, like I say, you know, you'll find you'll find some folks who who are like you, and you'll find some folks who are not like you, and both of those are worthwhile. And uh, after that, so the New Song Festival, to clarify for the listeners, that was in West Virginia, and uh, yes, and, it was in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, and and that's what propelled you to head to Nashville. Yeah, I met a I met a fellow there who who suggested that uh, that I go meet another fella in Nashville, and that got me going to Nashville. I see. Um, I got, you know, got to going down there, and, of course, once I got there, uh, I started going around to the, um, you know, the songwriter nights. Of course, there's a songwriter night at, you know, at on every a corner. dozen bars in Nashville on any given night. There'll be at least 10 or 12 of them. And uh, so I started going to those, going down there, and, and 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 once again met many people who are still my friends to this day, folks I love. Now to carry this further, uh, you went on to attend 
a workshop by somebody that everybody listening to this podcast has heard of. Tell the listeners who that was and what ended up becoming of that. Well, um, at, at the New Song Festival, they will often bring in um, famous and semi-famous folks to do workshops. And a nat- another native West Virginian, Miss Kathy Matea, was doing a vocal workshop there. And uh, I kind of had to pull some strings to get in the, the vocal <laughs> workshop, but I had a friend who was kind of part of the one of the bigger dogs in the in the festival. His name's Ron Soul. He is the band leader for the Mountain Stage show that uh, happens every Sunday here and comes out of Charleston, West Virginia. And so uh, Ron did a little finagling there and got me in one of Kathy's workshops. And uh, we went in to do the workshop, and there was a couple of ladies and another guy. There was a four of us there and Kathy. And uh, she said, well, who would like to go first? And, and everyone else declined to go first. And me being the rather confident singer that I am, I said, okay, I'll sing one. And so I sang a song, and I... As I often do, I sing with my eyes closed. I often, I often sing with my eyes closed, mm. which I, I've been told that's bad. <laughs> but I've been doing it so long that I can't, I can't really stop it. And any time I'm really, really concentrating on my singing, my eyes are closed. And so I sang this song, had my eyes closed. When I got done, I opened my eyes, and Kathy was sitting right in front of me, and her mouth was hanging open. And um, and she said why aren't you famous? And I said, well, maybe you can help me with that. Uh, now, uh, and, um, you know, I still talk to Kathy once in a while. And, um, matter of fact, she did a concert, um, here locally, uh, probably four or five years ago. And, uh, uh, I actually ended up, um, my father had something to do with that. He was in an organization that sponsored a series of concerts. And, uh, so I ended up getting the front row ticket to that. And I was sitting there watching her and, uh, her guitar player, I had never met him, but a friend of mine, we, we had a common, a friend in common, her, her guitar player and I. And so I was talking to him and all of a sudden somebody runs up and, jumps on my back and wraps her legs around me and I'm like, no, who is doing this? And it was Kathy. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, you know, so I'm like, hey, how you doing? And she said, well, I'm doing okay. She said, you're sitting there in the front row making me nervous. I was like, yeah, right. Sure, I'm making you nervous. <laughs> but, you know, and that's, once again, that's just one of those things that if you if you go to some of these festivals and some of these conferences and, and things like that, I mean, you know, there there will be, and it doesn't happen every time you go do something like that. But once in a while, you will really you'll meet someone really cool, and sometimes they're famous, sometimes they're noteworthy, and sometimes they're just somebody you like, somebody you connect with. So, once again, I advise anyone who is doing this crazy thing that we do <laughs> to to find like like-minded individuals because it just smooths our path it, you know it validates us it it helps us to keep going well um we've we've mentioned uh music city a few times here and there throughout the interview interview so far but but just to um be direct you actually ended up living in nashville uh, for four years, 2008, 2009, 2010, and 2011. And for two of those years, you actually had a publishing deal. Yes. Yeah, I had a publishing deal with um, Surefire Music, um, which some of our older listeners might remember a a country duo from the 50s and 60s called the Wilburn Brothers. And, uh, they founded this company, I think in the early fifties and it is the largest publishing company in the world that is still family owned. Wow. And, um, you know, over the, over the years, the fifties, sixties, seventies and eighties, I mean, they had a, a list of people, uh, writing for them that is truly amazing. 
Uh, Loretta Lynn, almost every song she's ever written is published by Surefire. Um, Marty Robbins worked for them for a while. Johnny Russell worked for them for a while. Patty Loveless worked for them when wow. she hadn't hadn't married Mr. Loveless yet. She was Patty <laughs> Ramey in the picture I saw on the wall. Um, then and that list just goes on and on. And I mean, and they own they own uh, a an extensive list. The Sonny Osborne from the Osborne Brothers. Uh, almost everything the Osborne Brothers ever written is published with them. Um, Jimmy Martin has songs published with him. I mean, the list of who and what they have is truly extensive. They have about 6,000 songs in their catalog and uh, truly, truly nice folks. Uh, this is kind of a cool little story. Um, Go ahead. I had in my head, as even as a child, when I first, before I even, um, probably before I was even playing or writing songs, uh, I heard about Music Row, mm -hmm. and and I had this idea in my head of walking down Music Row with my book of songs in one hand and my guitar in the other and knocking on doors. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to Nashville, I would mention this idea to people, this kind of a dream, I guess it was, in a way. Uh, I would mention it to people, and they'd say, oh, no, don't do that. You know, wait, wait for an introduction. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, and when they would say that, I'd say, well, okay, you know. But finally, one day, I mentioned that to a friend, and he said, well, man, if you've had that in your head all this time, you need to go do it. Yeah. So I did. I walked to the top of Music Row, <laughs> and I started walking down it. It was a it was a Friday afternoon, and there was like a. There was something going on. There was like fanfare or something going on that day, and I didn't even realize it until okay. I was already doing it. Okay. And uh, so I'm walking down the street. I'm knocking on doors, and, you know, and oftentimes I just open the door and go in because it wouldn't be locked, and there wasn't anybody in there. And I walked into all kinds of offices <laughs> and studios and, and stuff, and there wasn't anybody in them, you know. And, and so... Um, you know, one or two of the other places I stopped, there would be like a receptionist or a secretary there. And, uh, you know, I'd talk to them. And most of them were like, no, you can't sing a song. No, you can't leave a card. Um, you know, we're sorry, but, but you know, if you if you aren't somebody we know or we've requested your material, uh, we, we're really not even allowed to talk to you. And I was kind of wow. disappointed by that, yeah. of course. But I kept on going. And finally, I got down to where the Surefire office was, and it was kind of a warm, a warm day in the summertime. And uh, I knocked on the door of Surefire office, and uh, the fellow who ended up eventually hiring me, Jason Wilburn, answered the door mm -hmm. and said, "Hey, come on in. You ready to sing me a song?" And I no said, kidding. "Yes, sir." No kidding. Yeah, and and then he was like, "Hey, man, you want you want something to drink? You want a bottle of water?" Wow. And I was like, "Wow, yes, sir. I would like that." You know. And, being a, a West Virginia raised man, if you come to my house, first thing I'm going to ask you is, do you want something to drink? Mm -hmm. You know, and the next thing is going to be, do you want something to eat? So <laughs> he didn't he didn't realize it, but he won my heart. It right sounds there. like it. It sounds like it. And so um, I sat down there and I sang him, I don't know, three or four songs, and uh, he said. Uh, there were a couple of other ladies. Like I said, it's a family-owned publishing company. And he said, I'd like for my mother and my aunt to hear the hear a couple of these songs. Mm -hmm. He said, can you come back tomorrow? And I was wow. like, sure. So I went back and uh, sang the folks some songs. And, I mean, it took a year, you know, of just getting to know everybody. And, yeah. uh, and plus, they hadn't had any staff writers hired for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, it had been a few years since they'd had any, so I think they kind of had to uh, decide that they wanted to do it, and then and then get to know me, and sure, and so I would come in every few weeks, you know, and bring them a CD of what I had been writing. So by the time the year was up and they hired me, they knew what they were getting, and uh, you know that was a very uh, well, it was inspiring. Um, you know, once I got the publishing deal, um, 
I, I wrote 22 songs in nine weeks. Wow. Wow. Um, well, I figured, well, I was getting... I was getting paid to write, so I figured I should be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was at that point. I was co-writing with people sometimes three sessions a day. Wow. Well, and you know when you when you take it back to to the start of that story of having that vision, you know, as 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 a youngster uh, of seeing yourself walking down Music Row, um, you know, and 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 like you said, I think the important part of that story was the person that told you, "Well, wait a minute. If you've been walking around with this in your head the whole time, you got to do it." You know, don't be discouraged yeah. by these other people. And lo and behold, it obviously was meant to be uh, because of, of the happy ending that, that you just reached there. All right, now it's time for Bruce's Bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is Don't Lie. It truly is a small world, and you never know who knows who or who talks to who. In this day and age of the internet, social media, smartphones, and tablet PCs, it's so easy to access information. Trust me, you will get caught, and bad news travels fast. A group that I'm associated with had someone stand up and tell our whole group about a DJ in town who everyone should stay away from because of inappropriate behavior during a gig he was booked at. I'm sure that probably also went up on Facebook, too. So do not lie and protect your reputation. That is today's Bruce's Bonus. Uh, and so, how cool is this? You have opened for the likes of David Allen Coe, Marty Stewart. Well, there's there's more, but I'm just going to cut right to the topper. You opened for Merle Haggard at the Ryman Theater, the home of the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. <laughs> well, here's here's the here's the more uh, I guess poignant part of that, pointed part of it is that. I signed my publishing deal on June the 20th, and on June 25th, I opened for Merle Haggard wow. at the Ryman Theater. Wow. Uh, I'm pretty sure my feet didn't touch the ground <laughs> for like two or three weeks there. I mean, I, I just was... Um, the guy was actually um, renting a room off of there in Nashville. He was running sound for Merle Haggard. He was running monitors for Merle. Mm. And so Merle was coming down to um, do, I guess he does a show every summer at the Ryman, is what I've been told. Okay. And uh, so my my roommate was like, um, he said, do you want to play at the Ryman? And I was like, well, of course. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the Grand Ole Opry, man. That's, the, you know, that's Hank Williams. Hank Williams stood on that stage, yeah, you know, he, yeah, plus, every, plus everybody else, you yeah. know. It's not a case of the Ryman. Uh, no, nah, it's okay, thanks. I'll just play at Pete's Bar, <laughs> Pete's Bar and Grill down the street. Of course. <laughs> when and where? When, yeah. What time? Just tell me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, this actually happened, you know, like three days before I signed that publishing deal. And then a couple of days later, he was like, you know, I think I can, I can get you to open that show. Wow. And I was like, well, cool, man. So he made a couple calls and, and he called Merle and said, hey, do wow. you mind that, you know, and Merle had already heard me sing because we wrote a couple of songs that were, um, they were intended for Merle. Oh, okay. Uh, because we had the end to him. So so we wrote a couple of real nice country uh, drinking, heartbroken drinking songs. And uh, Merle, unfortunately, never did choose to do any of them. But, uh, you know, Merle had heard me sing and play. And so, you know, when my friend asked him, uh, Merle said, well, it's that guy I've heard. And he said, yeah. And he said, well, you sure he can open? Wow, so that's great. Uh, so that was just a, a major blessing, you oh. know. And for and for those two huge things to have happened within a week was uh, well. I'm going to admit this. I thought my ship had come in. Yeah, sure. But I must admit also that I was wrong. You know, I mean, it was a very very cool thing, but it never did Absolutely. really lead to anything else. Well, Which I but kind of hoped it would. But. You know, at the same time, I mean, it's a great story, and um, 
you know, I, I think I think certainly there's something to be said for having those sort of credentials uh, under the Dave McCormick name. And, uh, you know, obviously it, it, it lends some credibility. I mean, the, you know, in that story there to hear that Merle Haggard said, yeah, I know who this guy is, uh, you know, and, and already believed in your voice that he felt that confident to let you open for him. You know, I, th- I think that I think that was a statement right there. Yes, it is. Uh, I must admit it's uh, that that's one of my, you know, my proudest accomplishments. That That's the, the thing that I'm most proud of. Yeah, absolutely. It should be. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me from West Virginia on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is singer-songwriter Dave McCormick. Check him out at www.davemccormicksongs.com, and that's M-C-C-O-R. M I C K Dave McCormick songs.com. Be sure to purchase his music right there and his website too. check Dave out on YouTube as well. He's got a number of videos there. Support him, jack up that, the number of views on his videos. Uh, make sure that you are also checking out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H E A R for the spelling challenged and sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast and uh, as I mentioned before, let's try to get some love going for Now Hear This on social media. When you go to nowhearthis.biz, there are buttons, so you can easily click over to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook uh, and or become a Twitter follower. And uh, the suggestion I made before, let's start getting some posts or some tweets and try to get some momentum going for hashtag NHTE to be for whatever you're putting online about the podcast. Um, let's try that and, and watch this thing build. Um, Dave McCormick, let's get back to nuts and bolts again. What about your recording process? Kind of a, uh, how do you get your finished product? Well, um, these days, uh, what I have come to is that, um, you know, of course I, I learned a lot of things while I was living in Nashville. Uh, some of them I didn't want to learn, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but you have that. But um, I think looking back over it, probably the most important thing that I learned was how to record on a Nashville level, mm. uh, the, equi- the equipment involved in it, and uh, um, you know some of the thought processes involved in it. And so um, these days, uh, I-, I basically look at my recording. At- as is one of two different things. Um, I have acoustic recordings, which sometimes there'll be an electric instrument on that, but they won't have drums. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I do every bit of that in my home studio. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, the other thing that I do is songs that are more upbeat or more rocking that do need drums, I will go somewhere to a studio that is set up to record drums. Um, the main problem being why I can't do that is because, uh, it just involves so many mics, so many preamps, so many inputs, uh, to, to be able to record drums because every drum has its own mic and its own preamp. And then there's, uh, every symbol has its own mic and preamp, and I probably will never have enough money to to, <laughs> to gather all that equipment together. You mean you don't uh, have so an I extra can, set of drum mics just kind of laying around somewhere that <laughs> that you can wire up? I, well, I do not 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 <laughs> the correct equipment. You know, I've I've got a plenty of microphones and stuff like that, but there it's like the one of the way one of the things that makes professional drums. I don't know if any musicians out there listening have ever tried to record drums because I have many times in a bedroom or or live on a gig or something like that and those drums always end up sounding extremely inferior as com- as compared to a professional uh, drum sound that someone in Nashville or Muscle Shoals or something like that would get mm-hmm. and um, so I go to a studio and pay to get drum tracks and usually we'll record bass and rhythm guitar all in one little patch. 
And then I bring that home and put it on my computer and then add everything else that I want. All the electric guitars, manly and dobro, lap steel, vocals, harmonies, piano, all that stuff. I have enough equipment uh, to do that at home. And that saves me a lot of money. Um, and I still end up with a pretty high quality uh, sound without having to spend all that time and money doing everything in the studio. Right. So basically, I I try to get all that done in one one or two days, and and um, you know it's still a fairly expensive proposition, but. You know, to keep the quality as high as possible, I found that's what I have to do. And uh, for so, those that are listening that are technically inclined and uh, very fascinated by what you're talking about now, um, go on the record here in the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast with uh, what is your preference? Uh, are you using Logic or um, what, uh, what What do you prefer to use there at your home studio? Well, mainly I use Vegas, which is... I've been told mainly a video audio editing program. And actually, I'm the only person that I've ever met other than one other person, the person who turned me on to it, that uses Vegas to record with. Hmm. But also, uh, I have many friends in Nashville now who are engineers, and they all say the same thing. Uh, It doesn't really matter what program that you use the main thing is being familiar with it and being comfortable with it yeah and so vegas is the very first thing that i ever used to record digitally with and i've been using it now for about i don't know nine or nine or ten years so i'm pretty comfortable with it and uh but there are many other good programs out there uh a lot of people use Pro Tools. A lot of people use uh, Sonar. Uh, some folks use Cubase. And and they're all relatively the same other than what and where you click to do the thing <laughs> is different from program to program. So that kind of, uh, it, it makes a, it, it can be a steep learning curve. Well, and as long as you're happy with with the end product, and uh, obviously I have Dave's CDs and and the quality on there are are top-notch, so um, in purchasing those, uh, don't hesitate because uh, the the quality that he puts out is great. Um, And and so, Dave, for the listeners who are just getting to know you, you perform as a solo act, but have also done lots of shows with a band. Heck, your, your band has even played for like what what is it now like 10 or 12 years uh, at the Black Walnut Festival and the music that you do and that your band does it, it's all over the place man it's it's so cool y'all do uh dance music um country uh classic country you do kind of a country rock you do blues R&B uh southern rock/classic rock you're 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 all over the board well yes we are um you know, I've got a. I've had over the years a variety of different acts. I mean, I I learned to play guitar sitting around a campfire with my friends. <laughs> um, you know, and and I've always had a, a country rock band, and I've always had little duos and trios with with different folks in them. And um, you know, as for doing all the different genres of music. I myself can't stand to listen to any genre of music for very long. Mm. Um, you know, if I if if I'm with somebody and they're playing, um, you know, blues, it ain't long until I want to hear some jazz. And if I'm listening to jazz, it ain't long until I want to hear some R and B, and and so on yeah. and so forth. It's I like all different kinds of music except for angry music. <laughs> um, I don't play angry music. Um, and I don't play rap, of course. I, I'm not much of a rapper. But, um, well, you know, that's... It's, it's, it's just, it's mostly to keep me from getting bored. <laughs> and, and I think that, uh, you know, that other folks like that too. You know, I've, I've got a band that, uh, 
you know, it changes from time to time, but I've got a girl singer that's been with me for now about 10 or 11 years. And, and I got a buddy that plays keyboards with me sometimes, and he's been with me about 12 years. And matter of fact, uh, recently I, I hired back my, my very first guitar playing buddy. Um, you know, he and I have been playing together for over 30 years wow. and, and, uh, you know, off and on of course, but, but it, you know, we had a practice uh, last Monday night. You know, and it was great. It was the first one he had come to with the, with the new band, and uh, you know, it was like, you know, it, it was like we'd been playing together that whole time. You know, we well, we really taught each other to play electric guitar, play leads on electric guitar. We, that's cool. He and I were like, you know, we'd be like, uh, hey man. Check this out! I found this in a magazine yesterday, and they may be like, "Well, hey man, look at this!" You know, I, I accidentally I made a mistake yesterday, and it works. You know, <laughs> so well, so it's good to play with him again. Yeah, and that flexibility obviously uh, leads to marketability. So um, certainly a, a smart move on your part. And, and when you talked about um, angry music and rap music, that's a good segue because um, we've got people who've downloaded this podcast who are learning by listening to all these episodes of the podcast because they're hardworking, up-and-coming singers, songwriters, performers, entertainers. And and one thing that I want them to hear you say, and especially because they're going to hit DaveMcCormickSongs.com and go, whoa, this cat is bad. Uh, when you and your band take the stage, that stereotype is all wrong because tell them what people will see and not see. Well, you know... Um I've been lucky enough to grow up around some folks who were extremely professional. Um, one of the first places that I ever went to to a jam session was run by a fellow named Gary Boggs. And Gary Boggs played steel guitar for George Jones for five years during the mid-70s and was his band leader for a couple of those years. And uh, I learned so much from Gary about, you know, how to talk to a crowd and, and how to how to kind of, you know, do some entertaining, you know, how to tell a little joke on stage and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, the, kind of the other things that I really learned from him, the, the main lesson I learned from him was uh, just being professional, you know, uh, coming on stage looking and smelling nice, um, you know, not not drinking on stage, not smoking on stage, uh, not using foul language on stage, um, you know, and, and just like I say, how to talk to people, you know, it's, it's important to speak conversationally on stage when when you are you know if someone walks by and you know say say that person's name if it's bill say hey bill how you doing good to see you buddy mm -hmm. you know because folks love to hear their name spoke <laughs> over a microphone it's the cheapest easiest way to build a rapport uh, even with people that you don't know because they realize, hey, he does know that guy there, and he just spoke to him just like he would speak to anyone on the street. Wow. And if he gets to know me, he may do the same thing for me. Wow! So, you know that that kind of that's kind of a little thing, but in another way, it's it's kind of a big thing. No, it's a, that's that's so. great. Good good lessons there, um, Dave. When when we close. Um, we're going to send people out with uh, Where Nothing Ever Changes. We're going to play the whole track. Um, before we do, though, g give us a look into that song. Okay, well, there's several things to tell about that song. Um, the first one is Where Nothing Ever Changes is, is my favorite song that I've written. Ever? Um, ever. Wow. Um, every word of this song is literally true, uh, except for, as my dad pointed out, the hook line, the, because the, the hook line is where nothing ever changes, but me, I'm talking about my home and my, and my family and the place I grew up. And, uh, when the first time I, I wrote, when I wrote that song and I came home 
from Nashville, and I, I sat down and sang it for my dad. And uh, when I got done, he listened to it. You know, he sat there real quiet for a few minutes, and he said, but son, you're the only thing around here that doesn't change. Mm. Uh, so I, I kind of realize now that the hook line isn't exactly true, but all the rest of it is literally true. Um, it is, it, it is a song about my, my people and, and the land that I belong to and, uh, and my ancestors. And, um, so that's a song that's very, very dear to my heart. Um, I, I love everything about that song. And the other thing that is noteworthy about that song is when you listen to it, you'll notice um, it, it has some. There, there's something we did to that song in the post production. Um, a friend of mine named Tim Sheehan uh, down in Nashville. He owns a little studio called Herring Moan Records. And uh, when we recorded the song, he said to me one day, what are we going to do about reverb on this song? Do you want it to be dry with no reverb, or do you want it to have a lot of reverb or somewhere in the middle? What do you want? Mm -hmm. So... I struggled with that for about a week because I had him to make me three or four different recordings of it with different different reverbs and different reverb levels on it, and I loved them all. Wow! And I couldn't make it. I couldn't make a decision. Hmm. And so one day, I, I was telling him that I said, "You know, I can't make a decision. I, I love the way I love the way they all sound. They all are appropriate for that song." And he said, well, you can't have them all. <laughs> and that that rang a bell in my head, and I said, well, why not? And he said, uh -huh. what do you mean? And I said, well, how about if we start the song dry with no reverb and then slowly keep adding more and more reverb as it goes? Wow. And he said, well, I've never heard that. I've never <laughs> heard that done before. And I said, well, I haven't either, and that's why we're going to do it. <laughs> And so we did that, and so that's something that's kind of different about that song. That's a cool. And story. then the last, the last thing that is noteworthy about that song is uh, it's it's me singing with a guitar, and there is a gentleman playing fiddle on that song. Mm -hmm. That gentleman's name is Joe Spivey. and everyone listening has probably heard Joe Spivey play before. Because Joe was the fiddle player for many, many years with John Anderson, with the country, the classic country singer John Anderson. Right. And there's a song that John has that just about everyone knows. It's called Seminole Wind. Right. And at the beginning and end of Seminole Wind, it is piano and fiddle. And that fiddle playing on Seminole Wind and most other John Anderson songs is Joe Spivey. So, and Joe is just, he's my favorite fiddle player in the world. Um, a great guy. He always shows up wearing a, a ball cap and bibbed overalls. <laughs> uh, he, he also plays with a, a, a very well-known band in Nashville called the Time Jumpers. They're a Western swing sort of a band and uh, they play at the station in I think it's every Tuesday night and uh, an incredible musician and I'm honored to have him on on that song and he plays on some other songs of mine as well um, well good stuff so that's, some, guess, uh, that's some good insight into that song and uh, all the more reason for uh, our listeners to listen to the entire track um, as we close out here Dave this has been Really great. Really enjoyed having you on. Thank you so much for making the time and for doing this today. Hey, buddy, thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Same here. I want to formally thank my guest, Dave McCormick, and remind you listeners to please be sure to check him out at www.davemccormicksongs.com. Buy his music there on his site as well. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, give him some love on YouTube. Get the video counts up for him, the number of views. Don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. 
And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. And uh, a nice review on iTunes would be a great help as well. If you enjoy what you're listening to, it would uh, really be helpful to now hear this entertainment as a podcast to get some good reviews posted on iTunes. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from today's guest, Dave McCormick. This one is called Where Nothing Ever Changes. In the head of a holler deep in southern West Virginia I know a place where time indeed stands still Almost every root of my family tree is planted In a grave somewhere on the top of yonder hill Memories are growing wild and so are honeysuckles Down Cobbs Creek on both sides of the road It was there my old folks taught me Until I wouldn't let them It was there I reaped the wild oats that I sowed This is the land that I belong to My heart and soul Yeah.